You know what's just come up for me listening to you is that we were going to also talk about your definition of success. I gave that up ages ago. This was much more interesting. And welcome to another episode of Real Clinicians, Real Chats. My name is Alex Murray. I'm a podiatrist and strength and conditioning coach based in Canberra, Australia. And I'm Kit Wisdom. I'm a physiotherapist currently studying a somatic psychotherapy, and I'm based in Melbourne, Australia. So for those who haven't listened to our last podcast... Any of them. <laughs> Listen to them all. Um, <laughs> no, but our, our last podcast was particularly special. Yeah. We had a guest. We had someone come into our podcast home. And, yeah, it was fantastic. Well, was I thought it was fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Um, what did you think? What comes up when you remember our conversation with Bern? Well, I think the first thing, and I guess this is a bit of signposting for people and a reason to listen, is that we we made a conscious decision to not only seek guests that were academics or quite sort of prominent personalities, people already in the education sort of space. Hmm. And we specifically looked for uh, just a clinician willing to come on and chat. Yeah. And I think there was a there was something that really good about doing that because one of the things that I recognize in myself is that I'm no longer the average clinician. <laughs> I have no concept because I'm just so, I operate so differently mm-hmm. and being involved in education and um, in just different networks, having a, a space to talk with you, it's it's very different Mm. so i i think the biggest thing is that getting someone on and listening to someone and their specific struggles with clinical practice Mm -hmm. resonated with me a lot with some of the things that i definitely appreciate but coming from a different it came from a different space and it's not it brought up things that i don't always consider so I don't always consider and I can relate to, but I think it also brought up things that sometimes we're not always talking about just simply because when we think about an education space or an education podcast, you think about what's the latest treatment, what's the latest this, what's the latest that. Yeah. Not so much the process of treating or how people feel just being a clinician. Yeah, well, and I think that's one of the themes that, that came up when we had a bit of a chat afterwards with Byrne around stepping into having a go on the podcast as a clinician herself, who it was a big step. Like it was, it took courage and, you know, we had nerves in the, in the podcast home and, you know, for someone who, who has been working for a while and is confident in who they are, but to kind of navigate something that was again, kind of scary and putting themselves out there. Um, I just think it was a beautiful thing to be able to 
offer that opportunity for her and then likewise her to be able to offer us the opportunity to have a discussion with her in this way, knowing that we're trying to create an intentional way of being in dialogue. And, you know, she was such a beautiful, you know, um, first guest to have on. I think she just embodied all that we're trying to to work um, towards and work with as, you know, separately and together and how we kind of um, show up in the healthcare world. Um, so I think for me, the the conversation itself was really interesting in just noticing how my kind of upreg came back in and, you know, yours did a little bit at the beginning as well and Burns was there as well. And we kind of navigated it together to kind of be in the messiness together again, which is what we really talk about with clients as well, right? So we kind of did that and found our way, I think, to a really beautiful rhythm. Um, and it just felt like to me we were cultivating that deep listening and that that want to to hear each other in a way where we could generate something new or something deeper or um, something that perhaps we hadn't discussed in like a inverted commas healthcare forum. Um, so for me, I just love that we could open it up and, and kind of continue our way in, in what we're bringing our intentions around. I think there was, incidentally, there was also some, I hate the word, I've got this word stuck in my head, synergy. Um, Especially when you say it like that. Yeah, well, that's why I say it like that. But <laughs> just, it worked with some themes, incidentally, that we sort of discussed in a previous episode around education and around mm. how the environment and the way that we approach teaching, the way we approach knowledge acquisition, mm -hmm. it creates an environment where there's someone that's right, there's people that are listening that are wrong, and it doesn't encourage exploration. I really mm -hmm. liked um, the point that you brought up in that episode as well. It sort of stuck with me about how in Hakomi, you sort of just allowed to sit there and be like, I'm not getting it. Mm -hmm. but I don't know what it is. I don't have to have a formulated question. Yeah. And, I, I, and I think from Byrne's perspective, like I think from that's quite different from my own is that I have no problem um, sort of sticking my hand up and asking questions. Um, part of that might be uh, the straight white man. Um, mm -hmm. But part of that is also just my makeup like I have no problem um you know going against the system in a way mm. and it was interesting because it was we talked a bit about how societal pressure especially around learning creates this speed and intensity and mm. drive I actually can't remember whether it was during our conversation or afterwards that we were talking about about this. I think it was during, but yeah, that intensity, that need to keep consuming and be better, and yep, it's interesting to then think about how we like slow down, take care of ourselves, and how, from Burns' perspective as well, being then involved in this field and in you know, education and trying to do something different and talk differently mm. and not be educated into or not 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 to be educated but to be experienced enough in education delivery to deliver a, a solid product or act in a certain way mm. 
it was interesting. It was very interesting because I think that's something that we we struggle with and we all sort of contribute to. And, and afterwards, it was talking about Foucault and his sort of prisons, mind prisons sort of uh, theory uh, that we're all sort of acting in a way because of who we think is watching us. So mm-hmm. He talks about like the, the one-sided mirror mm-hmm. where, you know, we're all, you know, you stick someone in a room no one can be on the other side of the mirror, but because they think there's someone there, they'll act differently. And I think there's a lot of mm. that that comes into to healthcare that is really challenging. And like many things, we can we can then struggle to have nice, open conversations with others mm. in the field because it's not sort of those conversations aren't always there. It's they're not always open. I mean, they talk about this a lot in medicine where it's like, you know, everyone's sort of just walking around with a mask, like a robot, and like trying to, mm-hmm. to just deal with all these systemic pressures. I mean, they, they have it, you know, so much worse than us in, in many ways with their system and the way things work. And there's just not those open conversations to be able to feel like you can go to people and just talk. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the we've talked about this before in my hesitation of, of coming on the podcast around like, well, what if I say something when I'm in flow and it's an open conversation that like comes back to bite me, mm. you know, that real, that real kind of omnipresent fear and judgment that is a felt sense that I remember, you know, long before uni, but I think uni then perpetuated it or, you know, the, the invisibility or the lack of these sorts of discussions has a influence because they're not there. So like the absence of them, you know, Mm. and so even having more of them and they're being present, they're still got this kind of like sense of like, what if something goes wrong here? Or this openness has got to have something like, you know, it's, it's kind of got a bit of a vigilance around it, which is really interesting in itself just to kind of sit with, Mm. um, and kind of consider, um, for both practitioners and then like we always do is kind of apply it to a client lens and how they might feel feel similar that you know if i mention something here that might actually work against me um Mm. and maybe not even in a direct way it's just kind of being um again in that sort of um non-verbal but just kind of it's it's in the room I think about that when you think about just how, I mean, it's a key, it's a key problem we see a lot where people are acting in a way, you know, with patients. And like, I remember when I was quite, quite junior, you know, there was a way of doing things. There was a template. There's a, there's a thing and there's this, this constant vigilance of, of our being, of living up to a standard and a standard that might not even exist, but mm. it's like an implied standard. Yeah. It can create a lot of lot of yeah that that vigilance and concern and it's not the most comfortable environment to work in and uh, the irony is is it can often be Mm self-imposed we talk about well the 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 system defends itself but we didn't say that we didn't do this and it's like well but it's it's there Mm -hmm. (laughs) well i think the other thing that comes up for me again more from the more i learn about from the somatic psychotherapy lens is that you know taking the viewpoint that you know, we develop a lot of our our um, 
you know, the the rules we make for ourselves or the the our world before the age of five, potentially. So even before we're verbal, we're mm. embedding and soaking up the way we learn to be in the world, which is kind of fascinating when you think about it. Mm. That we're learning a way, and it's really early, and that forms our blueprint for how we then behave, react. Like it kind of blows your mind when you sit with it. Um, that's another discussion potentially, but. <laughs> But but I think it's really important to be kind of like just acknowledge that the, you know, if we bring it back to something like pain or pain beliefs or just humans' beliefs around what they're supposed to do or what they're supposed to say and how that might be embedded quite deeply um, and how we're shaped mm. and that we're all shaped differently because we have inherently different caregivers and contexts and experiences and, um, yeah. Hmm. I think there was something that, uh, that also there that I know you want to talk a bit more about, which mm. newness. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Do you want to explain what's, what's going on and what's, what's new? <laughs> what's new? Sure. What's new? Um, yeah. So the past, oh gosh, I think I've been holding for about six weeks while, um, the lease negotiations happen, which is not something. Lease negotiations world, for? For a new space for my business. Um, but I was just going to say I could not work in a – it really – what really came up for me was how I live in a relational world and even just watching the communications happen to make the lease kind of, you know, put, put into place. I, my whole body was just like holding with like the us versus you and the – like not demands, but like this and then that, and it just had a harshness to it. So um, about 10 days ago, we signed the lease and I got my keys to a new space for my, for Wise. And um, Thank you, I'll have I'm to just... about that later. Oh, Is that better? <laughs> Continue. You got the keys. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Um, so, yeah, I've just been um, spending the last week and a half um, trying to set up and transition into this new space, which is hilariously right next door. So, um, but it's really big compared to my little room. It's got this beautiful, you walk in and it's got like a really high ceiling. So there's all this openness. It's really light. Um, I get the whole space so I can play with design and all these different things. But what's coming up for me is like a lot of fear and doubt um, and also then openness and kind of this playfulness that's more around, it's in a bigger sphere. Because before I was playful, but I was kind of squirreled away in a little room and I was kind of like, no one will really find me here. Apparently I need to make money and run a business, but it's kind of hiding away. So the newness for me is coming into the transition around kind of being more open and having space and not necessarily having to fill the space. It's just kind of hanging out in it and and seeing what that feels like and, and kind of um, I get to make all these decisions, um, which is really cool. Um and I'm just starting to enjoy myself, I think, 
today I had some really lovely clients and yesterday I had some really lovely clients. And what I'm learning, I suppose, about the space and the environment is, is that it informs my relationships, but also the relationships inform the space. So again, it's that lovely synergy or relationship between external and internal. Um, and I've been intentionally cultivating this space to create felt sense safety and create openness and possibility and exploring um, and expansion. But it's also really interesting how when the clients come in and we do the work, how that actually helps me feel more comfortable in the new space. Because mm. you were in Struggle Town for a little bit. Are we talking about like two weeks ago or before the lease? When which which part of Struggle Town? <laughs> um, there were numerous pubs. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's what I mean in terms of like there was the before, there was the during, now now there's the after. Yeah. 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 So the before was like, am I allowed to do this? Like, do I deserve this? That was probably the theme of my before. Is like, can I invest in myself? So it's probably more around worth. In the middle was the holding and like, I really don't like this and this is really uncomfortable. And uh, I kind of felt a bit stuck. And then now is I'm opening up and I'm expanding, but it's like, I've just got to do it slowly and kind of notice what contributes to my safety to open up because the holding is still quite strong um, because of the fear. Mm. So, and then what I'm noticing, like I said, the last little bits of the last couple of days have felt really lovely and um, like warmth has come back into my body and the experiences there have really nourished me. Um, and the people coming in are noticing all the intentions that I put in place and they're opening up. Um, mm. So it's kind of this lovely kind of layering process, which I intellectually knew could and would happen. But it's so funny how the knowing in that way did not help me in Struggle Town. Mm. Well, I think that's, if, if we're going to, I was just thinking in terms of like how, what is the, what is sort of a, a way of, of summarizing and wrapping that up. And I think you just did it like right there. Not that these things need to be summarized or wrapped up, but like, well, more of a case of like, what, because a lot of people will go through similar experiences when they're trying to open up a place that's new or they're trying to do something new. Mm -hmm. So many things about like permission, you know, we, mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time are we allowed to practice in a different way? Are we allowed to practice in a, in a way that's different? Are we able to open a space? Um, I know when I was coming up, they'd say, oh no, what, you know, why would you go and work for, you know, or do this or do that, or try and work with these athletes? Like, you, you don't have the experience to do that. You don't have the X, Y, and Z to do this. Uh, but I think that was the, the key one. And I think this applies to so many people with so many different things is that knowledge didn't help you through mm. the process mm -hmm. <laughs> that along the way we needed to well you needed to scaff find ways to scaffold yourself to feel comfortable to disengage because knowing that it was going to be better at the end didn't help mm -mm. and how and it was important to have that that scaffolding in that space and 
isn't that exactly what we do with patients? We we give them the knowledge, but so many so much of the time we tell them we go, well, why are they feeling better? And it's like, well, because it is it. I guess my question to you would be, did it feel like because it was not believable? Did it feel like it was because it would like never get there? Was it the fact that like because of the experience you were having closed you off for thinking into the future? Like what was that? Mm, I think specifically for me, and there's parts of me that I don't know about yet, you know, like so it's just based on what I my current knowledge of self. But I think it was really interesting by the time I got to the middle and the negotiations were happening and I was just holding, I actually had worked into my worth piece and actually was like, I'm worth this. This is worth it. So I'd actually worked through the first part, but was then the barrier came up around the, when is this going to happen? Mm. And actually, it's really interesting. Now that you talk about, like, it didn't wouldn't help to be told that it was going to happen in the end. It didn't help when other people told me that. But I actually found in myself this part of me that came from an embodied place that, if I put words to it, was saying, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And it was a new place for me because it came from within it wasn't like looking for external you know validation so I think that was interesting so what I noticed was as I kind of dealt with the little um, bits that popped up (laughs) along the journey is that by acknowledging them and understanding that they were there like I actually kind of worked through them but it was kind of this little bit of a delay which makes total sense why would anything be worked through and then hey presto it's great so but even that knowledge in that you know, I get that I'm starting to feel comfortable now and the next month will really make sense. And of course, intellectually, someone could go, of course, I could have told you that, kid. But but again, from this like sense of feeling it and understanding it from a non, or an embodied cognition way, I suppose, is that I can sense my body now is like really relaxed. Mm. It's not holding and it's been holding for a long time and it's relaxed because I've had this progression of my body letting go or of my whole being kind of easing and it's transitioning and I can sense that it's opening. And that's what reassures me. There was a point where, like, I guess from, from a very rudimentary perspective, like I'm thinking about, there was, there was part of you essentially that didn't believe that you were worth it, that didn't believe it could happen, Mm-mm. that didn't believe there, and there was a transition to you when you did believe. And when you're saying you can say it, you can say it with full belief. You can see it's coming up in from you from a place of like, this can happen. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, when, when I was chatting to you during like a PS, everyone, Alex has been the biggest support in so many ways around my panicked responses regarding Wi-Fi and technology. But um, those moments where I like would send quite a few messages in a row and get quite panicky. You know, like they were little waves of like, I don't believe that I can do this or this can happen. And whether it came out in a, how do I install Wi-Fi? Like, but the the nature of the wave that came up, you know, was fast and hurried and like, I don't have a solution, you know, which is really interesting when we kind of bring it back to our world. So it was like, it, it I didn't believe when it was, those were the qualities. When it was rushed fast, I felt frantic. I didn't have a solution and I felt like, I didn't know where to go for help, Mm. you know? So when my body was in like that state, that part came out around not believing. That's when I was like fully in it going, well, this is, you know, not going to happen. And then being able to be, you know, co-regulated out of it or or 
or mm. spend some time doing something else or get a solution or like someone just say this is the solution or this is the next step you know then you'd like oh, you could expand again and 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 see your wider view right but it wasn't the solution sorry it wasn't the problem that was coming up that was giving it mm. the franticness mm. wasn't the problem that you were talking about and the solution only solved the surface problem it didn't solve the deeper yeah, but think about how you helped me reach a next step. You listened. You repeatedly understood me. You asked questions. You said, shit, this is hard. And you, every single moment, you were like, I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, every single step, Alex never got annoyed at me. I like would text you like five times about an internet problem and you'd be like, huh, so I've just done some research. And what I've come up with is these three options, kid. And I was like, how are you? How are you committing to my process so much? <laughs> well, to be fair, so as as a as like a side note, I did during high school like a Cisco interworking like networking <laughs> diploma or half of it. Um, so there's there's like there's just this knowledge, and also then like Google, like I can just Google things with that like knowledge. I can just be like, well, I need to know how to search this. It was literally like typing your address into Optus and being like, can you do this? No. Can you do this? Mm. No. So like, but I think, but that's, that's kind of like a really mm. interesting like reflection. Like I think I'm, I'm, I just keep thinking about like patience and, and what we're mm. doing, which is like, cause it's just so similar where it's like you're like a patient turns up. I'm thinking about one from the other day, um, which I am literally just going to check now. If they've uh, if they've consented to me, um, I, I on all the all the cases when they come up, I um, this is where come... we could play some like intermission music or something. <laughs> we could put John Farnham on. Alex. Okay, no, it's all good. Um, came in ultra marathon runner. Okay, we we're going past the John Farnham point. Um, it's coming back. So, came in runner. Came in. And, you know, sprained their ankle months ago, took forever to, for it to sort of settle down. They stepped in a pothole. Um, mm. And then, you know, go, getting back to activity, they started getting Achilles pain, mm. insertional Achilles pain. And so much of what was coming up was like, why isn't this Achilles getting better? And when we sort of came out that it was, you know, the Achilles was only two to three weeks old. But mm. it just set back the rehab, which was setting back the process, this whole sort of process of not running since January. And this whole, what really came out was just this, I felt great in October last year. Mm. And then by Jan, it was all gone. And will I ever get that back? It's just been mm. so long and so tedious and so lack of support, lack of understanding what was really happening, mm. you know, just muddling along. In a lot of ways, is what you know. If I reflect on it, there was so much about the spaces that that she was in, where it was like there was lots of other people doing things that she couldn't. So in the gym, mm. there wasn't like a guide of like this is how where it all fits together. It was sort of like, oh, this is the workout we're doing, and you're going to do something modified because you can't do it. Mm. There was just lots of these things reinforcing this core message of um, the core problem. Just, I, I don't think I can get back. Yours was, you know, I'm worth. I don't think I can. I don't think I'm worth this. I don't think I can do this. I don't mm. think I'm ready. And 
we had the surface problem, which is what are we going to do about the Achilles? But we had the the main underlying issue was just the need to feel comfortable, supported, scaffolded in a space while we do something difficult. Hmm. And that's exactly what we did. We you know we said, well, this is difficult. So here's you know this this does suck. Like you have been running. And, you know, we do the bit where we give the information and say, well, this is what's going to happen. It's all going to be okay. Don't worry about it in the future. But so much of it dealing with that patient the same way it dealt sort of with you was just, ah, oh, here's the information. Like, here's the answer to your questions. Here's the thing that's going on. But there is a process and I can show you and I can guide you through it. Here's, here's the options. And, and it sounds like we need to start here. And for, for her, that was a ultrasound to be, mm. to just understand and confirm what is actually happening and saying, what is, what are we going to do about it? Because if it does come back that she's torn it, mm. you know, we have to have that discussion. We have to um, sit down and explain the process. We have to then scaffold or how we're going to help her get through it, but also reinforce that she can because we know it's there. I think also for me, what came through in kind of, being in relationship with you through this time and, and essentially asking for lots of help and is you you cared. You yeah. really gave a shit. And I'm not saying that as like, oh, that's so surprising. But, you know, it's my internet in a different state to do with my business, which, you know, could be, oh, it's just kids' internet to do. You know, but you were Networking like... Networking knows no bounds. Think of the it, internet. It felt... <laughs> To me, this might be my makeup, but it felt like you were really invested in my move and in my, like what this meant to me and the meaning behind the space working and the meaning behind being able to to move there and not have, you know, to be able to work with the barriers and be able to um, figure them out so that I could be in there. Um, so that's what it felt like to me. It felt like you were invested in my oh, that word journey, but, you know, my transition or my my steps, um, that's what came through in a in the the way that you responded to me and the um, – so it wasn't just the solutions, even though that was really like, oh, I know someone who knows stuff. That, for me, was a really important piece. So that's, again, we could talk about that from a client lens, even just that felt sense of – not this person knows stuff as in like he's got all the facts, but like this is a good person to come to. Mm. I feel like this is what I need. I want to pull up something. Uh, it's a it's a study, or it's 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 my um, summary of a series of studies. Oh, cool! Yeah, out on client satisfaction. Hmm. And so it's the, the three papers that I looked at, Rosatini et al. 2018, Stenner uh, et al. 2018, and Carol et al. 2015. And it was it came from this talk of uh, the first paper, Rosatini, um, is determinants of patient satisfaction in outpatient musculoskeletal care. Mm. And that was sort of the first paper I found because I was looking for what do people want with, with heel pain? Mm -hmm. uh, and it sort of led to all these other patients and all these other papers, sorry. And probably the most interesting one was the Stenner paper because uh, it came out with three key things, which was patients liked clear agendas, but they also mm -hmm. valued unstructured time. 
mm-hmm. to discuss their concerns, to be able to really give the clinician an understanding of what's going on and having that response. So all really good to have like, okay, we're here, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, this is where we need to go, this is what we want to do. And I think that's a lot of, a lot of what um, the other papers are saying, where it's like people wanted, you know, a clear diagnosis, anatomical, you know, uh, explanations, biomechanical explanations. They wanted a, a clear plan. They wanted to a self-management advice. They want all of these clear things. But what they also valued was the unstructured agenda an unstructured mm. time to, to do, to be able to communicate what was what was happening. And there wasn't a sense of like being pushed into essentially a, a box or a, a format. Mm-hmm. Um, people need, they so they wanted information and they wanted to understand, but they also wanted to have develop a sense of collaboration. Mm-hmm. So we take sort of all those those three things together and it's like, that's exactly what's happening here. We had an unstructured agenda in terms of you're like these are the problems that we're having and rather than me having to go well actually i would like to solve them this way and we've all had that mm-hmm. i mean I, I can think of the amount of like i amount of times i mean growing up as a 90s kid i can, can remember the amount of times it must have been something in parenting because a lot of people's parents did this if if they didn't well then congratulations um <laughs> but it was like here is the help i'm willing to give you in the way i'm willing to give it to you and you oh, either wow. take it or leave it. And to a certain mm-hmm. extent, like, that's kind of how, like, we're taught in a way where it's like, I, I think especially in podiatry where we have, like, a defined sort of set of skills and a defined set of um, uh, treatments that we that we traditionally offer. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, and I've had people say, you know, it's like, well, if you're not here for an orthotic, what, what are you here for? And it's like, whoa, help. Mm-hmm. Um, they're here for help. They're here for guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they, they can sort of, I think that's just a, a really interesting point of just having the unstructured time to develop that sense of collaboration, to be able to pass that information There wasn't a point where we have to go, we have to do this now. And there were things, and I think that's, and it's, they talk about it as a having some time to do the stuff that you need to do and having some time that's unstructured. And that was, mm. I think that was particularly, was particularly helpful. And I, I think in reflecting on that case that I brought up about the runner, because we just had mm. some time where we sort of chat and went, okay, so like, what, what, what are the things that, what is your biggest concern? What are the things that you want out of today? And they were very clear and able to say, I, I need to have an understanding of what's going on and I need to know why this is happening and I need to know what's the pathway of getting back. And it just became clear. It's like, well, I don't need to strap you. I don't need to pad you. I don't need to give you anything magic. What I need to give you is a pathway. And that's what we did. We had the ability to, to pivot. Well, and I think also, I've talked about this before, but you know, in the unstructured chat stuff, what's happening on a deeper level is your intentionality as a practitioner is there you know being absorbed or being noticed on a on a you know maybe a subconscious level so yeah it's an unstructured chat but that other person is going to sense into how does Alex do collaboration Mm. right and and they might not even be able to put words to what's going on for them but they're using all of their senses to actually decide if you're safe for them Right. Or what level of safety or in which parts of this conversation does Alex feel safe to me? And that's all happening out of our consciousness. Right. 
So yeah, we could say it's an unstructured chat, or we could also look at it from this place of going, we're actually building trust. That from that will emerge a way that they want to go. So, you know, they might, who knows what will happen in that unstructured chat, where they might be more like, I'd like to decide how we do the next bit. Or they might be like, you know, I'd like you to decide what happens next. Or, you know, I'm thinking about the parenting thing you you mentioned and thinking about how I parent. I mean, I've got, you know, different children. I'm a different human. But we very much, things emerge out of us just being in the space together, kind of hanging out with, yes, the information, but also how are we going? And something will come out of the space around our pathway forward. I trust in that the people in the room will all figure it out together. So no one really leads it. Well, I think, but I'm aware I, that's very emergent. But I think that's what, sorry, that's just my point is that that's what I also noticed in you. I mean, we've got a relationship now that we're pretty, pretty good at understanding each other. And I, and I, there's a lot of trust, I think. Well, I have a lot of trust in you. Um, so that was already there before I even started harassing you on text, you know. So we didn't even have to do that. For our relationship, though. You had when discussed yeah. IT. You didn't know well, that I knew so much. But also, I thought it was different, and see if you agree with me, because you might not. Like, I reached out in a way where I was, like, pretty ang- like, not anxious but panicky. So I was like, you know, lots of texts. This is, you know. And it was really interesting because my partner was not the right person for that thing. He'd been helping me with all these other things. But when I asked him about it, I just got so dysregulated and like more. I was like, I need someone else here. Mm. I need someone else. And I went to you and I knew that I needed to come to you. Like I knew that was the pathway. But the cool part was when you, the way you responded and like, you know, my 8 p.m., what was it at like 6 p.m. where you were like, I'm really excited to see if the 4G broadband works. You know, and you're like, let me know when it happens. And like two hours later, I'm like, sent you a picture of my high caps machine working. And you're like, yes. You know, like there's this, you know, there's so much in that that's not just about, oh, Alex helped me with my Wi-Fi. I, I, I keep getting this sort of like, when you talk about relationships, like it's exactly, it, it always just feels like in a way like taking off like from a clinician's perspective, taking off these like shackles of professionalism mm. of like this sounds yeah. supposed to act is what I'm supposed to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have, I have a work phone and um, or a work number uh, and, you know, people text me with questions and things like, like people mm-hmm. know that I'm like available if something happens. And I think it depends on how you do it. Cause I think there's a lot of people who, if you, if you open yourself up, in that way, the way that your practice works, like it's just not going to work for everyone because people, you know, I can see can abuse it. But it's interesting because I always mm-hmm. find that like it's actually fantastic because it's people, it's a different way of engaging people knowing that it's there, they can do it. And when I ask, you know, they have a problem and they come back in and I said, oh, why didn't you, why didn't you text me? You know, you can text me. And they're like, I didn't feel like it was at that point. I felt like I'd, I wanted to give something else a try then come in and chat with you now. And mm. so it sort of has that, there's this things in terms of the way that, that I found really comfortable with my own space operating and that builds that exactly that, that builds a relationship that makes it feel casual. But I also think of like, so at, at the moment in my place, hopefully going to do some landscaping. Uh, I say hopefully because we're having some real trouble. 
Um, but one of the things that I relate to when you're talking about unstructured agenda is, I guess, mm. the difference between someone coming over and saying, this is the plan we're going to implement with your garden, this is what we're going to do, or like, mm. we've got an hour and we've got to sort this out. And you're sort of like, oh, you know, you roll up and you're like, holy shit, you know, I've got this, I've got this really clear goal that, you know, that when this needs to be done in this time and, and it needs to be done in a certain way. And so you just kind of mm. dive in and there's not that creativity, that space of thinking. Whereas if you sort of have someone goes, well, look, I've got, a, I've got, um, you know, an hour, let me come over and we can chat we can sort of create a, you know, see what, see what we come up with solution wise to your mm -hmm. problem, you know, which is, oh, you know, we can't put things here and I want to share it and I, you know, I've got an easement. Um, you know, you can only build a deck so large without, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And you go, what is the, the solution that's going to work best? We have this space, we have this time and we sort of get to throw ideas around and it's sort of, there's, there's sort of those two sort of concepts. I think we, we can sometimes go too far into one, whereas you come in, it's completely unstructured and you just end up having chats and you can sort of, sometimes beautiful things can emerge, but sometimes nothing comes out and you go, oh shit, you know, I've just, you know, just had a chat for an hour. Mm. Um, really kind of got nowhere. If someone's coming over to have a beer and chat about my garden, it doesn't matter. But in a client setting, it's a bit more like, what did I get mm -hmm. out of it? We've definitely mm -hmm. had those consults when we're trying to try this where we've gone, whoops. Mm. Um, so there's a, there's a benefit to the structure, but only being structured, it can kind of steamroll people. It stops people feeling that safety of of being able to talk more. And that's what that study was saying is that, you know, when they had the space, they felt they could talk. They didn't feel like they were kind of pigeoned in. And mm. we can sort of do, we can do both. And sometimes the art is figuring out what we feel like people need at that mm. moment. And sometimes it is asking them what they need at that moment. And I think people yeah. are quite honest. And when we ask them, and give them that space, that can be the unstructuredness because you're asking a question that's mm. not yes or no, that's not asked in a way that's going to lead down a certain pathway. It's like, what do you need? It's like ultimate, like unstructured. Mm. And I think, you know, when I listen to you speak about putting them together and, you know, noticing maybe, you know, we're collating data, like noticing where we might go, well, that was a bit unstructured. For, I've done that when I first started doing what I do. There was lots of unstructuredness because I was coming from a place of rigidity, right? So it would make sense that, you know, woo, got lost in the unstructure and was like, golly, I've got 10 minutes to kind of pull this together, you know. Um, but it's noticing that and then kind of going, you know, what contributed to that rather than judging that and, and shutting it down and then noticing other ones that might have been, oh, I leapt off the mark there a bit too quickly and went straight into, you know, planning and noticed that they, you know, responded a certain way. So I think, again, this comes back to kind of noticing and tracking and kind of seeing how things land and kind of rolling with that and getting that information. But I think when we kind of, you know, when you have a good session and you've kind of got that lovely mix of there's kind of like waves or there's a rhythm or there's space and there's flow and then there's coming back to something and then there's a bit of structure or planning or shape. You know, I quite often use the word shape in clinic these days or just with myself around should we give a bit should we give this a bit of a shape now you know or is that got enough for you like where do you think you need a bit more um you know a bit more of a 
a wall or support, right? In shape, um, you're talking about sort of structure. So you've like kind of yeah. delved out into like this unstructured level and you, people are, in a way, like when people are like telling you what's happening, like I had a work cover patient who was just like, blah, 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 and was like, whoa, there's so much like stuff out mm. here now and we're sort of like, so let's, you're saying give shape, it's sort of like, well, let's give a, give a structure and let's kind of put something around it that said you've said all these things and this is how they all fit. And Yeah. But I think if we think about, like I'm doing this with my arms now, but if you think about what a patient, if we, you know, the old way, if we think about is like rigid and we want to give this unstructured space, we can kind of go out and then come in and go out and then come in. And if you think about what clients are getting an experience of is like open and then a little bit, not contract, but kind of like cajole or, you know, streamline or something. I'm going to pick words that don't do what I want to really say because listeners might not like what I really say. But but if you actually think about it, they're getting a sense of this movement that's quite fluid. Mm. And if we're thinking about what the experience they get being with us, is they, they might not reflect on it, but they might come out going, ah, oh, that actually felt quite nice, you know, or it was, was an experience that wasn't just like holding and dun, 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 you're going to learn this way. And it's like, bang, 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 bang. Because if all the stuff we now know, and this loops back to what we were talking about in our reflection with burn, is how do we slow people down? Mm. How do we slow ourselves down? But again, not slowness as in we never get through things, but we create a rhythm that doesn't feel like we are you know, busying them and busying us or overloading them or overloading us, but kind of is exploring and clarifying, you know? Mm. So I think as an experience, a felt sense experience of that as well, um, it's such a beautiful thing to be able to, I think, try and cultivate with people. So by the time they leave, they actually feel like, huh, actually kind of covered a bit here or, or I feel mm. clear or a bit of both, you know? Hmm. It's it's interesting because I'm thinking, I'm thinking about if someone's listening to this and going Hello. great, uns- yeah. <laughs> well, I hope they're listening. Um, putting a lot of effort in, I think. Forty five minutes. Hmm. Well done, listener. I'm thinking about how we how you start to practice this and how you start to put it put it in, in hmm. into clinic. And I think part of what made what makes consults easy for me, part of what made, you know, dealing with your internet issue easier is because I had a whole bunch of knowledge and I had a bunch of confidence in some set of skills. Mm. And so I knew how to make things take shape. I kind of knew where to go. Mm. And so I wonder for, for some people thinking about it where we sort of, and where they sort of drift into unstructured and then sort of, oh my God, what am I doing? Like there is so much, like there is still the importance of understanding the 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 key, like about injuries, about what's happening, and it's it's hmm. it's a process of taking that knowledge and then figuring out. And like they always think about this as sort of like when they talk about evidence based medicine being clinician experience, right? Hmm. Like we're using our experience and understanding of that person in front of us to figure out what they need in that in that sort of moment and it's sort of like a lot of things meeting together where I can sort of feel like sometimes people come to this space and kind of go, well, I'm open now. Mm. 
and it's like exactly that open you know you open up and then you've sort of got to contract in and sort of bring it bring it back but you're by opening out you're sort of allowing someone to go well these are all the things that are that are important this is kind of the direction that i feel this is what's happening in my life and then we sort of we get to bring it when we sort of make it smaller again we bring it back to that space Hmm. where we where they need to where they need to go and sort of builds that sort of more that structure back in with our knowledge with our understanding yeah um my brain's going a couple different directions and i know you like to bring shape to these chats for people so i wonder what's coming up for me is maybe coming back to ourselves because remember whatever our physiology is doing is influencing and mirroring to the client so if we've got an ultimate goal of creating some openness and some unstructure and then pulling back into structure is kind of noticing in ourselves how we do that so like where do you feel open what cultivates a sense of ease in you so when you're saying you know you had ease with the internet stuff because you had knowledge so it might be like play to your strengths or 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 bring in your knowledge and how does it notice what it's like for you to actually work to your strengths or work in something that interests you or engages you right you know i remember when i first started like using a whiteboard just was so exciting because i loved them and that's how i learn and that's how i you know figure stuff out and that's how i collaborate so i remember I used my whiteboard a lot when I was first doing the tricky stuff and there was a felt sense of kind of safety there for me. It was a resource, but it also felt like I felt competent. So if my brain was going far out, far out, how am I going to bring shape to this? How am I going to create a structure? What I would actually do was write out stuff on the whiteboard, like our ideas, or what do you want to get out of today? Or this is our plan, you know? So I would actually use my love of whiteboarding as the way that I learn and figure stuff out. I'd actually use that to create some safety for me within the trickiness, right? So I think trying to find and kind of maybe notice like in what places in your work day do you actually feel confident and calm and a sense of like not holding as much or or some spaciousness within you and then notice where you are, are holding or are not as open or when you do contract. Um, and I think just... You know, I always come back to noticing. That's always my <laughs> my homework for people. But I think there's already stuff happening right under our noses that's information on how you could play with it rather than going, oh, you've got to do all these new things again. It's kind of noticing where it happens already for you. Mm. I think that's a, such an interesting point because when I think about my own thought process, Mm. someone comes in and they're like I'm struggling to do this or that and I'm thinking about it I already have and this is like my SNC background and mm. my rehabilitation sort of background I'm already thinking where is this person at like on this on this space of of movement where where are they at mm. so I'm thinking about you know their types of training how much they're doing like I've got this sort of like framework in my mind of how we we, we improve someone's physiology how they mm. get their tissue adapted to the demands of a task. And I guess that's that's sort of my safety point and that's sort of where I see a lot of people and I can sort of go um, go to in terms of education, where they need to go, what their goals are. And that that's a real mm. safe space for me to sort of play in. And 
so much of then that unstructured time is sort of being placed in that sort of structural my way i've got this structure to understand it so when they're talking about oh i did this and then this was sore then i'm not getting better and you know I, i've already got such a such a structure to to work in where I, th I think what you're sort of explaining is when you're seeing a lot of messiness and stuff elsewhere you're able to write it all out on the whiteboard and by writing it all out you sort of get to see the links and it makes sense and then you've got that sense of collaboration with that person in front of you and you're sort of all making sense of it together so there's like messiness mm. and you've got a way of cajoling it into a into a structure that works with your strengths and I've sort mm. of got my own way of, and it also comes, comes down to the patients that we see, right? Where a lot of, I think mm. for, for lower limb, specifically so much of it is about exercise preparation, how much you're doing, you know, how we mm. modify it. Whereas like, I know a lot more in like back, upper limb sort of stuff. So much more is, is a, is it more of a graded exposure approach where it's not always about strength. It's about how people sort of violate their expectations for mm. what's happening. I know you don't like the term violate, but that is, that is the scientific <laughs> term. Um, so like there's, there's also those different spaces. So like so much of mm. what, what you're doing more is about, in my mind, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, it's, it's taking people from a space of like, why aren't, why, what's going on in their life that's affecting their movement and things where I'm sort of so much more of the patients that I see is like, what is the why is someone move, doing the things that they're doing and what is the barriers to them engaging in like better preparation for exercise well i think if we kind of zoom out we've got maps and this is what again what i really one of the other parts i like about hakomi is that we learn about the maps that we hold but i love that we learn about the maps and we have them in the background so you know in hakomi i'll have like we have like a child development map we have a trauma map we have a you know we have a um all the different ones, I'm not going to say more, but um, we're holding them there. And, you know, I relate to that in physio. We've got our anatomy map, you know, we've got our nervous system map, we've got our SNC map, we've got our injury, you know, we've got tendon, we've got... So we're holding all the frameworks. But what I love again about Hakomi and the learning is we learn how to hold them and then how to drop into the person in front of us. And it's like this dual awareness of going, yeah, I've got my frameworks and yep, and I'm creating a hypothesis, which is what we learn in Vision Podiatry. But the way that we keep coming back to the person in front of us is, is holding the map kind of lightly, right? And we come back in to get some more. You know, we're checking out whether, whether we've got it, we're on the right um, pathway. But the other thing is, is we don't, we don't get directed by the map. So we don't go, oh, we're going this way. We're just holding it to create an awareness of what could be going on. So there's themes. You know, um, and themes might be something that I put up on a whiteboard or um, something that's come up that we both think is important, right? Um, but I think it's it's kind of noticing kind of how do you do it and how might that come into the room or come into the, the direct relationship with the client. So you talk about, you know, you're going through your map and S&C, you've done this. And my question would be like, you know, how do you come back in and kind of leave that behind a little bit and come back in and, and be with the client? How does that go for you? Or do you wander back to your maps all the time? I think the maps are sort of, so I, I use this example a lot with evidence, right? Where like evidence mm. is, is, is really is like a map, but the map is always written with, with assumptions. It's always written with a certain bit of knowledge at a certain bit of time. Um, and, I, and I use this explanation a lot where it's like we have so much of this knowledge 
that mm. tells us there's cliffs here, there's a waterfall there, there's these tracks. And what it doesn't tell us is that where that where how that person's going to go on that journey, how that person's mm. going to go with this trip. It doesn't tell us if they're prepared for or not. It just sort of gives us a lay of the land. And mm. I think that's exactly when you're talking about maps, that's exactly what I'm doing, where I, I get a lay of the land from this map. Mm. But then I also get to see where that person's individual situation is in terms of them as an individual, but also how the world might be different from that map. You know, that mm. map might be written in summer and winter, it turns out, well, that, that river that's mm. there is overflowing. Same in summer, the river that you're supposed to cross is now a deep cavern. It's all dried <laughs> up. Um, so there's individual sort of problems. So I think I don't have so much of an issue with coming back to the patient because you sort of map where they are and then you kind of go, well, what are they, you know, it's very much then the focus of strength and conditioning is where is that person at? Here's what we have on these frameworks, but what's their specific problem that they're having now? Mm. What, what, why are, what, what is the, the issue that they're having progressing on that framework? Do they not know mm. that's what they're supposed to do? Are they in pain? Are they having, and you sort of, it's, it's built into to the, to the aspect of problem solving with that, with that mm. individual. And I think when you were sort of talking, I was smiling about the maps because it just reminds me of like the office where Michael Scott's got the GPS and it's like, turn right here. And then, and he's like, just trying to turn right. And he's supposed to be at this bridge, but he starts turning right. And he goes, no, you believe the computer. You know, like you believe the, the woman. And he like turns and he drives his car into a, <laughs> into the river. And he was like, yeah, but it said turn right here. And I think that's such a apt example of <laughs> Like we've got a map and we've got a framework and we sort of know what the injury is. We know what the the, the problem is, but then we're ta kind of almost in in a way. I think what I also do with with my patients is part of bringing it back to them. If I'm thinking what I explicitly do is I sort of take give them that knowledge of where we are at on the framework mm. and sort of go, well, this is where this is where the problem is. This is where your injury is. This is why I think you've explained to me we have all of these problems. This is how it matches. Um, so this is what I think is going on. Like, does that actually then make sense to you? And they might go, well, I'm not understanding how this makes sense. But there's an openness there for me to be able to go, hmm, that's actually a really interesting point that you bring up. That doesn't actually match what I said. Hmm. Actually, there might be something more going on. Do you mind if we take, actually kind of scrub what I've said? Because now you've given me that key piece of information. I think it's, it's worthwhile that we actually do this instead. Well, you did that with me as well with the internet. Remember, I, you were off somewhere on a tangent, and then I was like, actually, blah, 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 blah. And you were like, oh, scrap what I just said. And it was lovely, because I could like, I actually, what I said had value in our conversation, even though you were the, the IT guy with all the knowledge, you were like, oh, no, let's, no, let's move on, different idea, and it was cool. Mm. Um, because it was valuable, even though it was like, my, that was literally the extent of my knowledge, but it was on the table and it changed the direction of where we went, right? Which, again, if we think about it from a client point of view, the agency or the power allowed in changing the direction of a session based on the information they know is really quite, well, it's important, but like it's kind of dignifying, mm. which I think is, again, one of these qualities that it should just be a no-brainer in healthcare, but you know how we can dignify the people that we that we work alongside. 
I think it's also that we don't have that presence that allows mm. those things to come out, that, that people feel like the way that we're running the consult, the way that we're moving, the speed that we move at, mm. the space that we give them, how we listen to them, we show mm. that we're listening, we reflect in a way that shows what they're, what they're saying is changing us. It's, if we're not doing those things, it's really, can we really expect someone's going to be like, by the way, I'm going to tell you all of these things. So we kind of, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way that mm. I think if, if we're not creating that space, we don't find out, we don't find out, we don't know how to act. And mm. it's very funny because I also think about the, the times where, you know, we think, I always think about tricky patients because mm. it's, you know, when you've got someone from a, from like a, a social justice lens, we see a lot of people get labeled tricky when they, what they really have is very real problems that are difficult to deal with or to understand because there's a social justice element. So mm. we think about, you know, people who are, um, that who have continue keep being told to lose weight. They've tried to lose weight and they're just not getting the antibiotics for their infection. <laughs> They're getting missed. You know, I've had a patient the other week that came in that that had, for, for those reasons, had, you know, a um, very serious medical diagnosis missed mm. because of their weight. And mm. there's like that social justice lens of um, if we're not, like they're becoming those difficult patients and we sort of label them that because we're not getting, if we're, just trying to shove them in a, in a box that they know is going to lead them down that pathway that's going to lead them to uh, not being able to be understood, that's going to be have them labelled, oh, you should lose weight. Like, they're going to fight. And mm. those patients we do get, we often label as difficult. But when we sort of have that space for them to talk, they sort of say, hey, like, this is what I'm really worried about. Mm. And we can understand that so differently. Or we just have a lot of those patients who come in that don't fight that go away and mm. they become difficult patients from the perspective of they don't seem to listen, they don't follow up, they don't do this, they don't do that. You know, it's just come up for me listening to you is that we were going to also talk about your definition of success. I gave that up ages ago. This was much more okay. interesting. Well, what I'm coming to, because I am aware of the time and I do need to go soon, but perhaps today right now what my definition of a success is is dignifying the person in front of me. We we foreshadowing what we're going to talk about next time. Yes. Which we'll immediately maybe. forget. Might, might come up again, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I think that's that's what's come up. I mean, that's something I actually have worked into my um, business brand, that word. But it was interesting how it came forward just in the last little bit. Um, and that to me does feel like if I've had a successful session or if my business is successful is if it's doing it's it's intentionally engaging in in dignifying the other hmm. mm. i think that's a, that's a that's sort of a good space to end on because i think we're thinking about having anything that's to do with care we're always trying to do like society always tells us what to do what's what's do things right and I think that's, that's constantly something that comes up when we talk about mm. sort of topics is what's, like, well, what's the right thing to do? How, how do we do it? And I think that's, that's such a good point that we make it a, 
not a relative goal or something that's fuzzy, but something that you can, that is achievable. Mm. It's quite specific. There's all the smart things. Not that I like smart goals. Um, <laughs> but that is something that I think we can then hold and say, well, if, and it's changeable as, 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 we, as we grow and adapt. It's like, well, if I'm just mm. having someone come in and I can provide dignified care and they can leave, that's something that we can always hold on to. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that feels I've got a nice warm circle in my belly. Mm. Mm. Oh. Thank, thank you, you for that. <laughs> thank you, Alex. No, thank you, kid. Had a lovely chat. We did. It was a goodie. Mm. Yeah, well, well, we'll leave it there. We'll say thank you to everyone for for joining us. <laughs> thank you for breathing into the microphone again. Shit, sorry. So. I'm alive. <laughs> this is gross. A year ago, I didn't want to be anywhere near this microphone. Now I'm slobbering breathing too close to it. If people, where do where do people find you if they want to find and follow you? Uh, they can find me at wisephysiotherapy.com.au. Um, I'm now at 7B Campbell Street, Yarraville. Um, Instagram, I'm Wise Ways Kit, and Facebook, I'm Wise Physiotherapy. Where can they find you, Alex? I'm so glad you asked. Um, <laughs> so I'm the Rehab Podiatrist, Facebook, Instagram, the Rehab Pod on Twitter. I am on TikTok. Um, www.therehabpodiatrist.com as well. Uh, and if you want to reach out to us specifically about the podcast or something that you want us to talk about, if you would like to be our next guest, oh, a clinician. Yes. Oh, I never had told you, we start getting emails, by the way, offering like random, like, I don't mean to call out like chiropractic as a, as Ooh. a profession, but it's just, it's always some chiropractor with some system they want to sell. And it's something oh. like this person can be on the podcast. Do, would you like to, you know. Let's get the systems-based chiropractor on. Let's get the salesman on. Yeah. Um, Have an open, expansive conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you do want to be a guest, reach yeah. out. Real, real clinicians, real chats at gmail.com. Hmm. Follow us. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Reach out there. Real clinicians, real chats, Facebook and Instagram. I've got a few ideas of the next guest, but I'd love to hear if people wanted to. Yeah, suggest another guest. Dob your friend in. Oh, I've, got a, I've got a couple of ideas. <laughs> no, don't you dob, don't dob your friends in. We're not going to be like those radio shows where they just call someone. Oh, my God. Cold calling. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a terrible yeah, until, no. until next time, everyone. Bye-bye.